Hey everyone, welcome to church. We're glad you chose to join us today. My name is Chris. I'm one of the pastors here at Community Covenant, and I'm excited to share with you this morning. With your permission, I'd like to sort of diverge from the series that we find ourselves in to speak a little bit about what God's been teaching me over the past couple weeks in this season that we find ourselves in. So this morning, I have titled the sermon, Taking Back Time. I want to talk about this idea of time, this idea, more importantly, of redeeming time, of taking back time for the purpose of, of sharing the gospel and ministering to those eight to 10 people that God has uniquely placed in our lives. So time is something that we all find ourselves having a lot of lately. The current season that our church and our culture has found ourselves in, we, we, our lives are taking a significant downshift. The rhythms and the norms of our lives are being disrupted through all of this. I know that parents now are teaching their kids from home. Couples, men, women, they're, they're bring, having to take their workspace and bring it home in the midst of teaching their kids. And trying, families are now trying to reorganize and restructure what normal looks like for these next few months. We, we have so much more time on our hands because we're being encouraged to sort of shelter in place and limit the interactions that we're having with one another. There's less places open, places to go. There's less things to do. So time is something that we find ourselves having a lot of lately. But I also know for myself, when I speak of this idea of time, there's some mysterious sort of elusive element to it as well. I talk about you know, finding more time or needing more time or this idea of time sort of getting away from me or losing track of time. How many times have we said if there was only more time in the day, like it's something that is so hard for us to hold on to when yet it's probably maybe the only element of life that stays consistent. We know when our day's going to begin. We know when our day's going to end. We know how much time we have in that space, but yet it has this way of getting away from, of getting away from us. I think of one example would be last fall when my oldest son, James, was getting ready for his first day in high school. I turned the corner of the, ha the hallway and I walked into his room. And I remember just being sort of taken back by the idea that my son was about to go into high school and this idea of where did that time go? When, yet when I think about it after the fact, that's something I could have been planning for years ago. But time has this way of sort of sneaking up on us. So what I wanted to do was sort of push back on that idea of this mysterious element of time and really commit to taking hold of it and take, commit to managing it through that lens of ministering to and sharing the gospel with those eight to 15 people that God's uniquely placed in our lives. So, but before this, so before this starts to sound like a self-help talk or a 20 ways to improve your time management skills, we want to remember that as believers and as people with faith, that we are filtering these ideas through the lens of the gospel, through the lens of the transforming work of the gospel, knowing that full well that, that these revelations and this perspective is only given to us through the grace of the gospel, through the fact that God has reached out to us and empowers us with his Holy Spirit and reveals himself to us in a way that we can then pursue his will. God gracefully reaches out to us and empowers us 
in a way that we can, that allows us to pursue his will. And that's, that God's will is really part of the, this big idea that I want to share with you this morning. And that's this idea that our time or our management of time always leads in one of two directions, either towards the will of God or away from the will of God. Let's say that again. Our time or our time management leads in one of two directions, either towards the will of God or away from the will of God. And what I'm saying here is, is there's no in-between when you think about it. And this may be something that you really have to wrestle with to wrap your mind around. I know it was something for me that I had to really wrestle with to wrap my mind around, but I earnestly believe this. Even down to the smallest decision that we make, it leads those decisions and those choices and how we spend our time is going to lead our hearts and our posture in one of two directions, either towards the will of God or away from the will of God. And what I wanted to do in these moments is share a story from the Gospel of Mark, from the first chapter of the Gospel of Mark, which really gives us a look at how Jesus managed his time in light of that truth, knowing that every choice and every decision that we make with our time leads towards the will of God or away from the will of God. So I wanted to pick up our story in verse 32. But leading up to this point, Jesus had visited a synagogue and had um, healed a man of demon possession. And the story then goes on to say that he was with Peter and Peter's brother Andrew, and they returned back to Peter's home where Peter's mother-in-law was staying with them. And the story says that Peter's mother-in-law fell ill and that Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. That's where verse 32 picks up. It says in Mark chapter 1, verse 32, that evening, so the evening that, that Jesus has healed Peter's mother-in-law, at sundown, late in the day, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons, and the whole city was gathered together at the door. The message paraphrase says that the whole town was lined up at the door. And he, meaning Jesus, healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. So here we have a list of Jesus's day, the busyness of Jesus's day. As I had said to you, he had already been at the synagogue and he healed a demon-possessed man. And then it goes on to say that he returns home with Peter and he heals Peter's mother-in-law. And then in verse 33, in the story that we just read, it says, the message paraphrase says that the whole town was lined up at his door and that late in the day, Jesus continued on to heal many people of disease and he continued on to heal many people who were possessed by demons. So the busyness is not something that Jesus is unfamiliar with or this idea of the, the allotted time of his day just being filled with busyness and with demand. And it says that Jesus, late in the day, still performing healings for people with disease and people with demon possession. But what I love and what I really want to lean into this morning is this next segment of the story. Think about Jesus's time management. Think about Jesus's priorities. He had just spent an evening healing and casting out demons. And the story continues in verse 35. It says, 
and rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, a place of isolation, a place place of solitude, a place where nobody was going to find him. And it says that there he prayed. So Jesus' time management amidst the busyness and what God really spoke to me through this story is the priority that Jesus makes to pray. To set aside time, to redeem time, not only for the work, but also for that solitude and that isolation, deliberately pulling himself away from the busyness to pray, to spend time in the Lord. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more, more about that in a couple of moments. Let's continue on with the story. It says in verse 36, and Simon and those who were with him searched for him and they found him. They said, everyone is looking for you. So this story shows us that Jesus removed himself so much so that that Peter had to go looking for him. And when Peter found him, he said, everyone is looking for you. And then the story ends by saying, and he said to them, let us go onto the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. So Jesus takes time to pray, deliberately takes time in the morning to be with God, his father. Now the story doesn't say how long Jesus was praying for. The story doesn't even let us into what Jesus was praying doesn't tell us what Jesus was praying. But I would imagine that it's much like the prayer that Jesus prayed towards the end of his ministry in Mark chapter 14, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, on the night that Jesus was about to be arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus prays, and he's tuning his heart towards the will of God. In his prayer that he prayed over and over, he says, God, remove this cup from me, if it be your will. For Jesus, time spent in prayer, I believe is time spent pursuing God and tuning his heart towards God's heart. Philippians 2.6 says that, that Jesus didn't, didn't think of equality with God as something to be grasped. In other words, there was this this idea that Jesus was submitting to God the Father. And in his prayer, he was doing that. He was pursuing the heart of God. And I believe that in that moment, he was discerning the will of God. Because when you read on, when we read on towards the end of the story, we see that a result of Jesus' time in prayer was one that he was faced with making a hard decision. The busyness was following him into the next day. Peter said, everyone is looking for you. There was still work to be done. There were still healings to be done, I'm sure of it. But Jesus says, no, we're gonna go on to the next town because that's what I've been called here to do, is to preach the gospel. Discernment comes from Jesus' time in prayer. When I think of redeeming time, when I think of taking back time, and what this story 
is teaching me and what I want to share with you as a church is that I believe God is using this time for us to tune our hearts towards his will in prayer. I believe that God is using this season for us to take back time in a way that reprioritizes prayer, that reprioritizes listening to God, informed and empowered prayer through the Holy Spirit that allows us to sit in stillness and to sit and listen, to be able to listen for that discernment from God. For some of us, this is going to be maybe reorganizing or um, readjusting our prayer lives. But for me, this season has been a time where I've been in deepest moments of prayer with God. And those deeper moments of prayer have come from a time where I just sit in stillness, listening for the heart of God and tuning my heart towards the will of God. I believe that that's what God is enabling us to do as a church in this season, as we find ourselves with so much time on our hands, the ability to set time aside, to be able to retreat to a place of solitude, our own desolate place where no one's going to find us, where the world can't creep in and spend that time in prayer, tuning our hearts towards the will of God, tuning our hearts towards the heart of God. But prayer that's only empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now, what do I mean by that? Empowered by the Holy Spirit. I mean that God reveals himself to us in prayer. If you look here in, in John chapter 14, verse 26, it says this. Jesus says this. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. Prayer empowered by the Holy Spirit because God reveals himself to us through prayer. Church, I believe that God is calling us into a lifestyle of prayer that is less talking and more listening that is less talking and more stillness. I think of Psalm 46, verse 10, where it says, be still and know that I am God. Be still. So this idea of being still, this idea of being relaxed and know, the word know there, the Greek word is yada, and that means to know. What this is saying, what the psalmist is saying is be still to know that I am God. Quiet our hearts. Be still before the Lord. Prioritize time in stillness, in isolation. Less talking and more listening. And tuning our hearts towards the heart of God. For me, this has looked like taking 20 minutes out of my day, literally setting a timer for 20 minutes and committing those 20 minutes to stillness. We're so good at filling time. And in these 20 minutes are not easy as well. 
to sit there in stillness. But we're so good at, at filling our minds and filling time and filling our schedules. That I believe part of redeeming time, a large part of us taking back time, is committing time to not doing anything. Committing time to the Lord. Not even necessarily doing things for the Lord, but committing time to just wait and listen from God. I think this is an opportunity for us to build those 20 minutes or to build that mindset into our lifestyle. Church, this busyness is going to pick up again. And normalcy, however that's going to look, but the new normal is going to be busy, I guarantee you. But let's use this time to build in intentional moments of retreat where we sit and we discern in the stillness and we wait to hear from God, much like Jesus did in that story. I believe that he spent that time in prayer and those moments are where he discerned, no, I can't stay here. We can't stay here. Let's move on to the next town because I know what my God is, what my God has trusted me to do. I know what my God has ordained me to do. And that's the mission that I'm on, to preach the gospel. I think of so many times in my life where I could benefit from just pausing and waiting to hear from God realigning my heart with God's heart. How much is that going to change our interactions throughout the day? How much is that going to change our interactions with our spouses or with our family or with our friends or with those 8 to 15 people that God's placed in our lives? So what I want to do is I want to challenge you, church, to take 20 minutes of your day. Commit those, set a, set a timer on your phone and commit those 20 minutes to stillness before the Lord. But knowing full well that God, God's going to move and God's going to speak in those moments. So would you join me? Would you take back time? Would you be, redeem time to wait and hear from God? And I would say, don't be tempted to fill that time. Don't be tempted to fill that time with anything. And it's, you're going to be tempted to. Thoughts, your to-do lists are going to pop into your head. You're going to be thinking of what your day is going to be full of. You're going to be thinking of the busyness that's going to encroach on your day. Psalm 27, 14 says, Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. I love this psalm because what it's doing is it's acknowledging the courage that it takes in the waiting and the strength that it takes in the waiting. But I want to say to you again that God has empowered us with a spirit. It says the Father's, Jesus said the Father's going to send in his name a spirit that will teach us, a, a spirit that will bring into remembrance things that we need to remember, things that we need to consider. So be strong. Let your heart take courage. But commit with me to take 20 minutes a day to tune our hearts towards the heart of God. Because we know that prayer is powerful. But I love this, this quote from Billy Graham that says, before prayer changes others, it first changes us. As we commit to spending this time in prayer, let's be ready for God to change our hearts 
as we commit to pursue God's will in our lives and we continue to pursue the heart of God. Let's be ready for him to change us. And I can't wait to hear the stories and the fruit that will come from these moments that we decide to set aside. Church, I'll say it again. I believe that this season that we find ourselves in, maybe for our church particularly, maybe for the Big C Church as a whole, is an opportunity for us to reorganize priorities and reorganize our time. And what God has been teaching me is that, re- that, those, that reorganizing our time is stemmed from and is built from prayer. And I want to encourage anybody who's viewing that, that may not know God in this way, or maybe you haven't experienced God in this way, or maybe now you're, you're wondering how it is that, that you're able to align your, your heart with the heart of God. I said earlier that it's, it's only by God's grace that we've been empowered by this Holy Spirit. Well, that comes in a relationship with knowing Jesus. A relationship in knowing who God is. And, and how do we get there? That's the good news of the gospel. The good news of the gospel is that if we repent of our sins in this, if we proclaim that Jesus is Lord of our lives, that God then, not only does he forgive us of our sins, but that he empowers us with the Holy Spirit that allows us to see things, to prioritize our lives differently, allows us to see a difference that only can be made possible through God's love and through his grace and through the power of the Spirit. So if that's something that's new to you in these moments, I want to encourage you to say that prayer, to ask Jesus to be Lord of your life and to Proclaim that you want to turn from your sinful ways and that you want Jesus to be Lord of your life and he will fill you with a purpose and a perspective that's so much more than what the world has to offer, a joy that's so much more than what we could find in the world. If this is something new to you, then, then write a comment in the, in the comment section below or send us an email or send us a message in Facebook and someone will reach out to you as you begin this journey of faith. But let's commit our time, the time that so much of us have, the time that that we have so much of lately, let's commit to reprioritizing prayer as a foundational part of our lives, much like Jesus did. Find those moments where we can retreat, find those moments where we can pursue God's will. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your divine revelation to us. God, that we can turn to these pages, but that you speak to us in different ways. God, sometimes we can look at the same story, but you speak to us in different ways and in in volumes. As we consider what we learned from your word, God, we're thankful that that you do that, that you remain so accessible to us. God, and I take 
um, those, these things that we've considered in this time. God, I pray that you allow us to, to build our lives around these things. This idea of time, how we manage it. God, I pray that our church restructures our lives in a way that is planted firmly on lives that are full of prayer and pursuit of your will. God, as we continue to minister to those around us, God, I pray that our, our ministry is built on prayer and pursuit of your will. God, we exalt you in all that we do and everything that we've prepared and this entire service, Father, we want to give you all of the glory. And God, I pray that you return us safely to these spaces. Continue to give us the ability, the access to one another when we find ourselves so far apart. God, you're doing something in this work, and I pray that we continue to, that you continue to reveal yourself to us in new ways as we use this time to grow closer and closer to each other and closer and closer to you. God, we want our lives to be full of who you are and who you have designed us to be and called us to be. As we build our lives on prayer, Father, I pray that we continue to build our lives on who you are and how you love. But most importantly, that we center our lives around the saving grace and power of your gospel. And we pray these things through the power of your mighty son, Jesus. Amen.